Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gay With God podcast. I'm so excited that you're here, and welcome again to 2024. Um, We celebrated a little bit in the last podcast, entering in the 2024 and talking a little bit about our uh, focus for how we wanted to spend this year. And for me, I am so excited to continue to lean into things that scare me. (laughs) And one of the things I'm leaning into actually tonight is the very first Zoom meeting that I will have for 2024 to start my journey as a lay preacher. And it really does give me pause of gratitude, but I also pause in the fear of the unknown. I pause in the fear of not being clear-headed, but I've given that all to God and, and the Holy Spirit, and I believe that every journey I've taken has been one of fear. And as we've spoken on this podcast many times, that my journey back to church was a fear-induced journey. My journey into my first religious beliefs about being a missionary was fearful because I was fearful of God. And now sometimes I'm just fearful of my own inadequacies, my own imposter syndrome that you probably are also aware of at times. But then I get a message like this. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I I received this message over the weekend just as I was sitting in a little bit of that fear. (laughs) And I get this message. I heard you on Keith Brown's podcast. And then I got your book. And then I read it. And then I tried to digest every meaning and story in it. Now, this person, like many of you, has a family, got married, did all the things that they thought they needed to do to be who they thought that they were and what society had expected of them. This person, like myself, had religious people in their family. And this person says that they've been on a journey the past few years and taking their time and that they look forward to listening more to the podcast because they now know about being gay with God. And wherever they land in this journey that they're taking, they're, they're impacted by the work that I'm doing. And I'm so excited to get these types of messages because I wrote the Gay With God memoir. I started this Gay With God podcast for people just like this person. And this person is not the only one that has sent me messages like this about how either the podcast or the book, or they've heard me talk somewhere else on someone else's podcast, that the work I'm doing is touching someone's heart. It's helping them to believe in themselves and come into who they are authentically. And guys, 
I can't tell you how much that makes my heart sing because that is exactly what I really, really, really did all of this for and I do all of this for. Someone thought the other day that I was uh, getting paid to do this podcast. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) But you all know, if you're podcasters out there, that podcasters don't normally get paid to do a podcast. We pay for the platform that we're on. And unless we get subscriptions, people subscribing and, and then choosing to give us money, support us in a financial way, or if, um, you know, we're like really famous or something and we may get paid to do it, um, or we get a whole lot of listeners and there might be some money in that, but no. I don't get paid to do this. I don't get paid to write my memoir. I didn't get an advance. You know, I'm not that popular and I'm not that that famous. And so I wrote the memoir with the hope and the prayer that that memoir would find it into the hands of somebody who was thinking about suicide, that the memoir would find itself into the hands of someone who thought that God hated them. And that God really did believe that they were an abomination, which you and I and many of us now are beginning to understand that was never true and it isn't true. But I'm, I'm telling you that and I read that to you only for this purpose, that our message is getting out. My message of being gay with God, being beloved by God, being able to reclaim our faith and honor our own story and our own paths. I am so excited that's getting out to people who need it. So please continue to share and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening for the first time, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you are a beloved listener, like my buddy Tracy, who just loves this podcast and she's always so willing to write a reply or willing to write a comment and she's also sharing it so please do that please be the one that can light up someone else because I can light up my corner of the world I'm sending this out to the airwaves you who hear it receive that light and then share it let other people hear it I will I will be ever so grateful if you shared this podcast and I hear that someone shared it and then it gets back to me that you saved a life by sharing this podcast and I hope they tell me who shared it because I want to give you some props because I really believe that it takes a a village and we're all on this journey, but it takes a village to let everybody know that we are worthy of all good things. So today, I want us to talk a little bit more about religious trauma and start to lean into it. There are so many of us in the LGBTQI plus community who have been so injured by the church that we don't want to ever go back. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to hear the word God. We don't want to have anything to to do with it. But I want you to understand that when we allow that to win... What that does is it keeps the fear going. It keeps everybody bound up in that fear and we are paralyzed by it. We are sometimes physically sick because of it and we are not living as authentically as we could be because we still have this one piece of us that is locked away. 
I hear so many times, and my good buddy Cody told me the other day, that this podcast saved his life because he really didn't know how to be the Christian that he wanted to be and still be gay. And now he is blossoming into his authentic self and claiming the fact that yes, he is gay and he is beloved and he can worship in a church and he can feel himself expanding again into his own faith and the God of his understanding. Now let me be totally clear. I do have my own ideas about religion. I am not a fan of religion. I am a fan of following Jesus. And I can follow Jesus at my Episcopal church because the priest that was there when I first came walked the walk of Jesus, believed in the Jesus movement. Yes, I believe that there is a God. And yes, I believe there is a Holy Spirit who has guided me to you right now on this podcast, who helps me come up with ideas for what I'm going to talk about when I'm totally blank and exhausted, which was today. (laughs) Oh, and then just as a side note, I find out today, this morning, by the way, that for that Zoom group that I'm going to do tonight, for the first time, I have homework. I got got an email today and I have homework to be done before tonight. So that was really interesting. And here is why I think it's so interesting. Because if I didn't believe that I have received a calling to go into lay ministry, that would have twerked my frame and I would not have been able to settle myself down. What I do believe is that every time we lean into a call, I think that that God kind of gives us an opportunity to back up. If we answered a call that maybe wasn't right for us, or if we're going in a direction that really may be something that is not meant for us, I think we are given some obstacles, perhaps. And those obstacles will turn us around or freak us out to the point where we can't continue. Not only was I a little bit taken aback that I have homework and I really kind of had wished I'd had this email before the the day of because I like to go over things a couple of times and now I probably will have enough to get it done and I believe that I will be able to feel good about the answers that I'll come up with. It's just one of those things that it tests me to lean in quicker than I thought I was going to have to do it. So those types of little tests, if you want to call it, I don't know if they really come from God. I don't have the God book that tells me all things. However, it seems to be the way it has been for me that every time I've leaned in to do something pretty big that I believe now all of those things were callings, something might have happened. Like I, I, back in the day, I took a coaching course to open up my practice how to open up your own coaching practice. And I dropped some money for that thing. And right after that, something happened to our jobs. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. (laughs) So now I've paid for this, or I was in the process of paying for this, and then we had less money. When we decided to build the cabin, it was during the Depression. 
But we felt led to do that. And why? Because that has been a sacred place for not only us where we can go and decompress and you know connect back to spirit without all the hustle and bustle of the regular household and it has been a sacred healing space for many people who have needed to come and visit us there and so we are very grateful that we have that space where people can get out of the pressure come and enjoy the mountain you know have communion with us and and be in conversation with us and it's just a good place to just be and there's no expectations. But the thing is that when we do lean into things that fear us, when we lean into something that was traumatic for us, we start to hear the little mumblings. Oh, no, I can't go back there. I will never go back there. I've already decided that I don't like that. And I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm fearful of that. You know, when COVID hit, and we all started having to wear masks, I didn't leave the house for almost a year, and if I did have to leave the house once things opened back up, I could only maybe put on a mask for a few minutes at a time. And in the beginning, I wouldn't even cover my nose because I couldn't do it. I'm claustrophobic, and I hate tight spaces. I even don't like to have drapes on the windows, although we do have some shades and that kind of thing because my wife really likes things dark when she goes to sleep. But I could have all the windows wide open with nothing on it all the time. I don't like drapes and I don't like feeling like I'm in a box somewhere. So the mask thing was really hard for me. And the only reason that I continued to work on that for myself was because I wanted and needed to return back to communion at the church, communion with the people and to Eucharist. And so I made myself keep working on that. But I would panic and I would feel like I couldn't breathe. And I had to wear the mask while I was trying to read from the lectern. And, and it was really, really difficult. And now I can wear a mask. I still hate it. I still sometimes have to work on my brain and remind myself that I really will not die wearing this mask. And I do have the option to remove it if I need to. But those lessons came over a year. I, I, I heard other people tell me that, but it could not get through. Religious trauma was the same way for me, that I had signed off on religion. I wasn't going to do it anymore. The last time I got burned by the religious community was going to be the last time. And I stayed away for years and years and years. When I decided to go back was when I knew that I needed to be as empowered as I could in order to help other people find their authentic power. And I knew that the religious trauma that I had experienced from not only church, but society and from people in general, I was not going to be able to go back and, and open myself up to that again. It was extremely fearful for me. And the reason that it was fearful for me is because at the last church that I went to, who didn't, the minister did know I was gay, and yet I had to keep it a secret from all of the parishioners because it was not a safe and open and affirming space. And it turned out not to be very safe for me in general. Religious trauma affects all genders, races, and all marginalized people because it's more than just a gay thing. Religious trauma is all about someone taking authority over top of you. 
In religious communities, they may have strict authoritarian structures. They suppress individual autonomy and critical thinking. And that leads us to feeling powerless, fearful, and anxious. If someone's always got their thumb on top of you and you are told that you can't make those decisions or you're not, you feel unworthy to make those decisions, that is part of religious trauma. It also comes with guilt and shame. The religious teachings may emphasize a lot of sin, guilt, shame, and that can contribute to a negative self-image. Individuals may struggle with feelings of unworthiness, fear, punishment, and how many of us, of course, the fearing of hell and damnation, we were told we were an abomination. The external belief in punishment or damnation is really intense, and that comes with a lot of anxiety and fear, especially for people who question you know, or try to deviate from the religious teachings. So, you know, for me, it was very clear in the church that I grew up that I was considered sinning if I didn't believe everything the Bible said as it was written. So that fear of damnation and hell really gets people to the place where they just don't want to lean back into that. They don't want to hear that every single time from the pulpit, and they don't want to believe that that's possibly true. Now, there's a whole discussion about hell and whether it is a real place, whether it is some other way it's described in the Bible. But this is what I know for sure, is that we are beloved by God. And when I lean in and I follow the teachings of Jesus and I love people and I allow Jesus' love to come through me, I'm good. I'm commanded to love. The greatest commandment was to love myself and to love others. And when I do that, the only time I need to repent, which means just turn away from what I'm doing, like if I start to bash one of the political people who have driven me crazy and put me into fear, I need to turn away from that. I need to I need to ask for forgiveness from that. And I believe that that's part of what I'm called to do is to to own my behavior and you can use the word repent, you can use the word apologize, but turn away from that and take ownership of what you've done. That's all I do. I'm just taking ownership of what I did. I recognize that it was not of love and I want to return back to loving people. So if you are under some sort of really strict authoritarianism, if you have been bombarded by guilt and shame and fear of, you know, hellfire and brimstone, there are other ways that religious trauma can affect people. And that's if you got excommunicated or shunned from your family of origin and you were ostracized or cut off from a religious community slash cult, whether that excommunication or shunning led to profound feelings of rejection or not, or loneliness or loss, that is part of religious trauma where they try to keep you bound by these teachings that they created. That was not created by God, but they keep you bound by those teachings, and then you get ostracized because you're not following their rules. Not God's rules, not Jesus's teachings, but their rules. So that is also religious trauma. 
Some religious teachings contribute to feelings of shame and guilt related to our own sexuality or gender identity. Being LGBTQ plus in your church community may have been one that was condemned or rejected. In addition to that, churches that have purity culture are very damaging to young people because it makes them shameful of their own body and their own feelings. And it takes into account that you have to be a certain way. And if you do not behave with your body this way, then God is going to reject you. Another form of religious trauma is cognitive dissonance. And that's when we hold beliefs that contradict from our personal experience or science, and that that can create an inner conflict and distress. For example, look at our trans brothers and sisters who know internally that they are not who their body is on the outside, and they are in this journey to align who they are on the inside with how they look on the outside, and they want it to be aligned with the truth that they know about themselves. And no one other than that person knows what they are feeling inside. And those feelings aren't just a whim. It is scientifically proven that biologically, we are not always matching up on the outside with how we have been formed on the inside. And we need to be really, really aware if we hear the statements, well, God doesn't make any mistakes. And they try to assume that a person who is transitioning is trying to mess up what God created. Well, here is a midgism. The midgism believes that God created all of us exactly as we needed to be created for our journey. And that doesn't mean that all people who are male have to stay male. What if God created our trans brothers and sisters to go through this journey so that we can continue to evolve as a, as a race, a human race, and that we are not all the same? that we are able to look inside at what God created and maybe later a doctor made a decision as to what our gender was. I don't know God's plan for anyone else. And sometimes I'm not even sure about what God's plan is for me. I just continue to lean in even when I'm fearful and even when it might not make sense for me to do so. But when I feel that nudge from God, I lean in. So if my trans brother or sister feels that their external body does not align with their internal understanding of themselves, then what if God created this beautiful amount of people to have to go through some of this religious trauma and societal cucka? that may open up new understandings and more compassion and a more loving community in all of us. So that is something that I can't prove. It is something that science is proving, but I just believe 
that we are often challenged to go back to that greatest commandment to love. And even when I may not understand why former presidents behave the way they do, I still need to find that place in me that holds the understanding that we are all created by God. And we are sometimes miss the mark. And when one of our brothers or sisters misses the mark, we can show compassion and and understanding. That does not mean that I have to agree with ugly behavior and atrocities, assaults and murders and dictatorship and terrorism. I don't have to go along with that. I am called to love this person when they are missing the mark so hugely and when others continue to miss the mark in my humble opinion by going along with all this ugly behavior but that's not the same as learning that you're trans or understanding that you're trans and that you're transitioning so sexual and gender issues and cognitive dissonance are very powerful forms of religious trauma there is religious abuse There is instances of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse within our churches. And we've known that for a very, very long time. And that can cause long-lasting trauma. There is cultural or racial discrimination as religious trauma. When religious communities continue to discriminate based on our race, ethnicity, or cultural background... And that can leave us feeling inferior and excluded. Another form of religious trauma is forced community, where you are pressured to conform to a particular set of beliefs or practices, more like a cult environment. And that can lead to you being suppressed and not being able to use your own thoughts or your autonomy. There's a lack of critical thinking when this happens, and that's when they don't want you to question within the church. Don't ask questions. It's in black and white. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Don't question. We've talked about this before, and God didn't always say all these things in the Bible, really. There were apostles, perhaps, that wrote letters, and that's not God's words. That's, I'm, I, Paul, am writing to this church in Ephesus. It's not the same thing as God speaking. There is a lot of wisdom in the Bible, and I believe that the Bible is sacred in that it contains the whole understanding of that time period. It contains Jesus's birth, his resurrection. It contains a lot of information that we need and how we need to live today. However, you have to question it. You have to look at the three recordings of Genesis and wonder, why are there three (laughs) in the Bible? Why is how the Bible was formed in three different ways and not all agreeing? Why? It's because humans recorded it many, many, many years later after it wasn't written down to begin with. It was word of mouth. You've all played the telephone game. You know how that works. (laughs) And I still believe there's value in the Bible. I really do. But I also believe that we have to discern what we're reading. We have to question when it doesn't make sense. And because 
things in the Bible were questioned. That's how we're finally getting this documentary, 1946, available to us because somebody questioned the words that were combined together that don't make the right word for what it was meant to be. So this religious trauma is really hard to lean back into. You have to make sure that you are preparing yourself for where you're going. You need to not just say, okay, Midge, I'll go ahead and I'll lean back in and I will try again to develop this relationship with the God of my understanding in a church setting. Well, that's not what I'm saying to do. What I'm saying to do is lean in and understand that God is not calling you an abomination. God is not telling you that you're not loved. God is not sending you to hell. People misinterpreted that word in the Bible many, many years ago, back in 1946. That's what has condemned us. I want you to lean into the idea that not all churches are the same. Just like not all people are the same, not all churches are the same. Now, all churches contain people, (laughs) and not all those people are necessarily going to be people you like because we're surrounded by people we like and by people we don't like. Churches are no different. So you go to a bar somewhere and you're hanging out with your friends and there are some people in there that are getting rowdy or being obnoxious and you don't like them. Or they may have a different opinion as to what music they want to play on a jukebox somewhere. I know I'm dating myself, but you know what I'm saying. You're always surrounded by people you don't like or that offend you. When we lean in to anything in our life, we get to decide how we perceive the world and we get to give grace. When I'm out in public and someone is trying to cut me off, sure, I get angry. I'm no saint, y'all. I'm no saint. However, I give grace far more than I get angry. And I also make sure that if I'm around someone who's being really, really obnoxious, I get to, I get to take care of myself. I don't have to stay in that situation. There are many times I'll speak up about something, but there are many times that I choose not to because I may not feel safe to do so. But in a church setting, I would, like I did the first time I leaned back into church, you know, several years ago, I checked it out. I interviewed the priest. I made sure that I didn't just go all in like I usually do. Like if I start to do something, I'm all in. I'm like jump head first, feet follow, everything. I'm in. But this time, I didn't want to do it to begin with. And so I wanted to get more authentic, but I really didn't want to go to church. So I was really giving myself permission to go slowly, to tiptoe in, to be super cautious, to be super out because I was just daring anybody to make me feel unwelcome at that church so that I could, what? I could say, see, I told you, I don't need to go back to church. I can find God anywhere. And you can, you can. But if you're like me and you love the communion of other people, you like to grow with other people, you like the music, you like the liturgy, you like the praise, whatever you like about church back in the day, if you still like that, then you find a place that's open and affirming and you lean back into that a little bit at a time. 
you have to really, really ask the questions. Even online today, somebody popped up and started following me on TikTok. And I thought, well, I'll follow you and see what your little church is about. And then I messaged them immediately. And I asked the questions. Are you an open and affirming community? Do you believe that the LGBTQ plus community is beloved by God and was created by God? Are they allowed to serve in your church openly in the relationship that they have for themselves? And are women also able to serve openly in your church? Because guess what's going to happen if I don't get the right response? I'll unfollow them because they're not the community I want to be a part of. But I want to give them a chance. I want them to answer that question. And if they don't answer that question, that's kind of an answer, isn't it? <laughs> and so I'll do the same thing. So I lean in to difficult situations so that I can then empower myself to make a decision that's right for me. It doesn't bother me internally if they tell me no. It bothers me that maybe they're not open and affirming, but there's a chance that they are and they just haven't said it. You know, sometimes you can't tell by somebody's website. I had this discussion the other day about our own parish. I don't think our website reflects how open and affirming we are. And why is that? Well, because back in the day, there were people who were not that demonstrative about it, as I am. So there's, there may be some changes to our website. Who knows? But I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to lean in. Even though I feel very accepted at my church, I also know that there are some people who may not be as open and affirming as other people are in the church. So I'm going to continue to be me and I'm going to show up in my own skin, in my own way, with grace and love and compassion, but I'm going to keep asking the questions and I'm going to keep leaning in to make sure that other people are challenged as well. You know, we have to navigate the challenges and all the conflicts. It can be very personal and it can sometimes be very painful. So I don't ever want you to do that alone. If you're going to start to lean back into church and you need someone to support you through that, that's what my coaching practice is all about, is to support you on your journey of being resilient in these very, very difficult times with all the political unrest for us as a community we get to walk that journey together. If you're thinking about coming out, if you're later in life, or even if you're younger and you still are struggling with, you know, how to talk to your parents or, or what to do in this situation, you know, I'm, that's the whole reason I set up the coaching practice is to serve my community and to help us all walk through this relationship with the God of our understanding and get to the other side. So if you need my support and you welcome me into your Zoom <laughs> box, <laughs> then please go to my website at gaywithgod.com and let's have a conversation. There's a link there for a complimentary session and I would love to have a conversation with you. The one thing I wish for you more than anything else is that you feel so strong in your relationship with the God of your understanding that a church building or a person's look, or someone's comment does not shatter you. It does not feel like you're being abused again. Because once you can lean back in, and you can take your own power back, and you can walk in the strength and the knowledge 
that your relationship with the God of your understanding is yours and that God asked us, said, work out your own salvation. So what does that mean? Well, that means that nobody else gets to tell us what's right about that and that we can be gay and be a vibrant member of a church community and we can also not be. That's not what I'm asking you to do is to go to church to prove you're authentic. I'm asking you to be open to leaning back into that trauma and seeing where is it holding you back from being fully you. Is it, does it mean that for me, I needed to go back to church? Yes, that's what it meant for me. I just want you to start to lean in and question, which one of these things have you experienced to the point where you wrote church off just because you thought you had to or because it was too hard not to? You know, lean into that religious trauma. And then if you, you find out that, yeah, some of that took a piece of me and I want to reclaim it, I know that you can. I love you guys. Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly zoom group entitled my faith journey as i mentioned earlier if you need support or help through your coming out or faith journey go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com scroll all the way to the bottom and see how to connect with me i'm also continuing my gay with god book club we're having great discussions every month about the book i'm telling some of the behind the scenes stories and some of the things that didn't make it into the book so when i'm ready to do a new one please put your name in my email box at empoweredmidge at gmail.com empoweredmidge at gmail.com and say hey i want to be in the next gay with god book club and make sure that you've bought the book Make sure that you've read the book because we're going to go into several of the different chapters and some questions. So make sure you've done that and I will be glad to put you in the the club. Also, if you're listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, are not even sure if you are gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.